This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Special Edition podcast on Star Trek Into Darkness. From far beyond the galaxies, I've journeyed to this place to study the behavior patterns of the human race. And I find them highly illogical. Girl meets boy. They fall in love. She says he's everything she's dreamed of. But when they get married, before he's aware, she changes his habits, the way he combs his hair. She changes him to someone he's never been, and then complains he's not like other men. Now really, I find this most Hello, illogical. welcome to the special edition iFanboy podcast. We're talking about Star Trek Into Darkness. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Live long and prosper. And joining us is iFanboy staff writer and big-time Star Trek fan, Mike Romo. Live long and prosper again. <laughs> we, we are from <laughs> iFanboy.com. We talk about comics, but we also like to talk about the big summer movie. Well, not just summer movies, but the big movies that come out related even tangentially to comics. Star Trek is one of them. We talked about the original remake film in 2009. Me and Josh and Ron talked about it way back when. Loved the hell out of it. And now we're back yeah. for the sequel four years later. So, uh, quick warning, there will be spoilers, there will even be spoilers for original cast films, because I don't think there's any way to talk about this one. And I'll try not to spoil it right now. Yeah, I think we might have already spoiled it. So, there will also be spoilers for one of the films with the original cast, whose name I won't mention because the name will be a spoiler. So, uh, if you haven't seen There's someone who's doing this in that weird Star Wars order, the Hatchet order or whatever, where you're supposed to watch, you know, Star Wars, like, in that weird... Yeah, yeah the machete order. order. That's what it is. So uh, if you haven't, if you don't want to spoil by those, you might want to pause the show, and come back. But we're, we're, there's no, as Paul mentioned in his written review. Normally, his his written reviews on iFanboy are spoiler free, but there's really no way to talk about this film without talking about spoilers. I so. tried, I really did, but there's no meaningful way to talk about this without saying that this movie is is stuck in the shadow of the Wrath of Khan. Uh, the second original series Star Trek film. So let's, before we get into this one, let's just get it out of the way. Did we all enjoy the first film? Absolutely. The J.J. Abrams first film. I saw the first film three times in the theaters. Yeah. And, I think uh, that's was the same for me. I saw it three times. Hu- huge fan of it. Really enjoyed it. And uh, I'll just be quiet because I know we'll be talking a lot. So, Mike, yeah, I, I loved it. And Mike, also, everyone should you should tell everyone, you're also like a really big Star Trek fan. <laughs> Well, I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek, the original series, every day with my dad at 6 p.m. on Channel 2 in San Francisco. Like, I've seen every episode there is of the show. Um, I've watched the cartoons. I've seen all the movies several million times. I I used to play D&D to the soundtrack. So, like, (laughs) so Star Trek and um, and all of its many iterations, I've been to way too many Star Trek conventions to to actually tell you honestly the number. But um, yeah, Star Trek is a huge part of my life. And so it's been really, really interesting to see how this is impacting people or not. And Mike and I saw this together last night in at Los Angeles. And, and when you came out of the film, you were like, it's funny because Star Trek and Superman are like your two big things. And those are the two movies we're going to be talking about. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. going to be a rocky, rocky summer for Mike. <laughs> mm-hmm. Motion roller coaster. 
Yeah. And, and Paul, let's get your quick Star Trek background. Do you have a Star Trek background? I, yeah, for me, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit younger, so I, I grew up with Next Gen. I was I was watching Next Generation with with my dad, and we went to the Next Generation movies, the first two anyway. Um, I think it got weird after we saw Borg sex together in uh, First <laughs> Contact, but um, a little awkward there. But um, but no, and I had all the action figures, I had the bridge set and everything, and um, wow. I so that was my touchstone was the Next Generation cast, and then I you know I've watched the other stuff, and but I've come to really love Star Trek, especially in the in the movies for the original cast. So the motion picture and Wrath of Khan and, and everything after. And for me, being the, in the middle age-wise, I grew up on the films, on the original cast films. And then I would see the reruns of the of the show on like late night TV and then The Next Generation came along. So I'm I was a bigger fan than I realized. I was sort of explaining this to my girlfriend the other night as we were watching the original film in preparation that I had a lot of Star Trek stuff. Uh, in my my room as a kid, a lot of toys, a lot of I had a, I had the life size Spock poster, you know I had a, I had a lot of things more than I think about now when I, when I remember back then. So I think we're all pretty big Star Trek fans who loved. The and first. I think I, I suspect that some of that history of with the mythology of Star Trek is kind of detrimental to fully enjoying this film. And I think that's well, where yeah. I fall with it. It it's a film that I came out of very conflicted about because there were parts of this movie I absolutely love. Yeah. I think there are great scenes, there are great sequences, there's wonderful character moments. I think the cast is still stellar. Chris Pine continues to be a revelation as Kirk. But yes. then there are there are parts of it I think that really fell flat. Well, well that's the interesting thing about Star Trek, right? And that's why in my mind it's it's best as a TV show because when you go back on the bridge and you see that ship, it for me it's like coming home. And it's like you just their interaction as an overall cast, the chemistry is so fantastic that it's just a pleasure to watch. So as a movie, just going moment to moment, beat to beat, character to character, I found it extremely enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Just because I rarely get to go back to Star Trek. It's just not a part of my life like it used to be. So when I see the ship, I get goosebumps. When I see different set pieces, I get really excited and try to imagine where in the ship it is. But um, I woke up this morning, and I think, Connor, you nailed it. I loved aspects to it. I loved the moments. But as a Star Trek fan, I think I think there's going to be a lot of very conflicted fan people out there. I think for people who don't have a history with any of the films, I hope they really had a great time with it. But as a person who's steeped in the lore, you can't help but think that they kind of weaseled out on this one in a, little, in a weird way. I think that's true. And I think the other thing is the, one of the reasons the first film was so successful is because it was so divorced from what we knew before. Yes. Whereas this one veers into f very familiar territory in some instances, and it can't help but suffer in that sense. As in There's definitely a sense of, of one step forward, two steps back. And what what I really loved and what was so elegant about the 2009 film was that, yeah, it is divorced from that. It's a whole new time stream, but it also, you know, for the fans who are, you know, really attached and there are, I mean, this is this is like a thing that it's it's very famous to be a fan of, you know, like it's, right. it's, it's, it's a very popular thing that people are popularly devoted to. So that time stream, that stuff still exists. It's not a total retcon. It's just, it's a different timeline. It's an alternate universe. And so you have, you, you can have your cake and eat it too. And I, so you, I, you get both worlds. I think with the start, I, like I was actually at a convention very recently because it was a, one of the 25th anniversary of the next generation. And it was one of those weird shows where the entire cast came back for next mm. generation. So I was like, I had to, I had to see that. And uh, the vitriol, that the regular Star Trek fans feel for this whole new reboot was visceral. Um, they were like, well, d if they were ever going to do a Next Generation reboot, do you think you would possibly be part of it? And the cast was like, you guys are crazy. That'll never happen. <laughs> Accept it and move on. And I can imagine that the hardcore fans who really have that sort of idealism, because um, this, you know, this is a very idealistic film, but it's mostly an action film. Yeah. When they see that, oh, so Star Trek Two is Star Trek Two all over again. Yeah. They're going to feel betrayed at because there's only going to be three films, right? Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen after? If you're going to do this, why literally go back to the well and yeah. try to reproduce in a in a you know quote unquote mirror universe almost? You know the opposite characters doing the opposite things. Why try to reproduce these beats that are so iconic for so many thousands of fans? Millions of fans. Millions of fans. Millions. Like, beat per beat, line per line. 
shot for shot even in, in yeah. those instances. It was yeah. When Spock when Spock was running down that corridor to get yeah. Kirk, I felt that familiar sense of dread, and yet I was irritated that I was feeling that sense of dread. Well, let's, yeah. before we before we dive deep into that, let's let's back up for one second and just give a quick overview of what the story was. Basically, we've, we've we're far, a little further ahead in the timeline. The crew's been together for a while. Kirk is the captain of the Enterprise. He hasn't lost anybody. I love that they're sticking with those uniforms. Yeah. I just, I love it because they're right. completely not practical at all. But so they get in trouble. For, in the cold open, they violate the prime directive, which I loved the cold open sequence. The cold open was yes. fantastic. It was uh, like being right back in the old TV series. It was pulpy, comic booky, and just explosive. Super yeah. fun. So they violate the prime directive. They, they get sent summoned back to Earth. Pike, who is, uh, is he, what's he he's, a, he's a rear admiral. Oh, he's a re- rear admiral. He he yeah. he busts Kirk and Spock down a rank. So now he's Pike's back in charge of the Enterprise. But while that's happening, mysterious Sherlock Holmes blows up a bomb in London, and uh, as a terrorist attack on one of the installations of the, of the Federation. And so all hands are on deck for this red alert to go find this terrorist. John Harrison blows up uh, a building. They have to go find him. He's on Kronos, the Klingon homeworld. Right. And then uh, that's that's basically the the impetus for the plot. We it's and then RoboCop tells Captain Kirk, "You got to go blow up Benedict Cumberbatch with these special drones, with these special missiles I got." And that, yeah. it's and but you got to get in there and make sure that you know the Klingons don't notice anything. But it'll be okay because this is an, unha- an uninhabited part of of uh, the Klingon homeworld of Kronos. Yeah, and uh, and it'll be fine. And then Scotty resigns because he doesn't want to be any part of this thing with missiles and. Um, this is, you know, we're explorers. We're not, this isn't military. And yeah, that, that that's was an interesting stretch. commentary there. Yeah, considering uh, which their, was, their warship, basically. Well, I mean, the Enterprise is, you know, it depends what, you know, iteration is. It's supposed to be the flagship, and they were supposed to be beginning this five-year mission, right? The, the framing was cool. Like, yeah. they were, they thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to get more briefing on our five-year mission, and then it, then it turned completely. I like, but it's not even just that they're going to take this guy into custody. They're no, they're going to go kill him. Do, assassinate him with yeah. 72 missiles which is a stretch right right and then it, i liked i did like that little nod did you guys see the little um all those little statues in uh robocops peter weller's office yes and they had the uh, enterprise from the tv series the nx01 or it's whatever sort of it like the um the enterprise tv show the the uh, the opening where yeah, you yeah. see like the history of space travel and that's what it reminded me of because you're seeing like the, sort of the history of like nasa probes and satellites right. Going up and the it, shuttles, and then and it, it ends with what's that weird black Enterprise? <laughs> exactly, and there, that was actually echoed in the very, very first Star Trek movie where they showed all the different Enterprises through history, including uh, the ship. So that was kind of cool. And then, yeah, what is that weird black Enterprise? Um, <laughs> a but, little um, bit prominent for he really for wasn't. He wasn't trying to hide it, was he? It was right no, there in no. his office. <laughs> um, Which, yeah, for a secret ship, but he's uh, like. Meetings in there. It's not even like his private, you know, study or anything. <laughs> yeah. Just... So, so they capture Harrison, who gives himself up after a pretty awesome fight with the, with a group of Klingons, uh, which we can talk about later if we want. And we find out that Harrison's actually Khan, and that RoboCop is actually trying to start a war with the Klingons by uh, having the Enterprise attack the planet and then and disabling it. So the warp core is disabled, so they can't get away. So the Klingons will find them, kill them, and then attack the Federation, and then start a giant war, which is what he wants. Which uh, sort of mirrors Star Trek Six? Yes, it's elements of Six, elements of Two, um, all crammed together. In With there. the dad from that '70s show, isn't he in there? Yeah, yeah, Kurt Smith. Yeah, yeah. He was, but as a president of the Federation, right? And hanging so out the, in Paris. So it's this, it's this plot to start. A, like a not a civil war, but a war with the Klingon Empire. Yeah, and RoboCop is try is basically just trying to to kickstart this war that's maybe going to happen anyway. But he wants to militarize Starfleet. Yeah, exactly right. And go from being scientists to being kind of conquerors or, I mean, really. Yeah. Um, and it, part of this is that they, they do some interesting things where they, like, part of that is from the incursion from the other timeline where Vulcan is destroyed. And that kind of, he says that sort of inspired him to do this. And that's why he woke up Khan. Uh, so, my, so my question for you guys, when did you figure out it was Khan? Because <laughs> it's not uh, when he says it. It's before that. It has to be. Uh, you know, it just it, it. I felt like it was just sort of permeating through throughout. I mean, when he actually said it, I felt like relief. Okay, so it was actually him. Because I mean, even when the film was announced, and even when he was announced as the actor, all the buzz was that he was Khan, and he kept denying it, and saying he was another character. But you couldn't help. 
but feel like who else could it be? There's only one other person that would carry so that there's only one person that carries that much weight in the Star Trek universe, and it's Khan. Right. And I my my gut was like saying, I hope it's not they're not gonna do it that way. But he's a great actor, he's a super fun to watch, he's got an incredible gravitas. Mm-hmm. So um I I wasn't surprised, but I it was I it just Okay, okay, I guess that's the movie that we're going to watch. That's yeah, how- I like when you said relief because when they when they reveal it where they do and it's yeah. it's little it's deep into the movie but it's not the end. I was I was glad for that. Okay, now we can get on with things. Yeah, we can move on with And it. this isn't this isn't just this isn't the final reveal. There's more here. And um, the the interesting thing, so we do as we go through the plot, we find out that um that was interesting the 772 Torpedoes are actually, you know, coffins chirogenically frozen. I guess that's redundant. His other crewmates, and that's from the Botany Bay, right? Well, who yeah. knows? I mean, that's well, we don't know thing. where they're from. This is. I think this gets into the problem with the movie, and and we might as well jump into it because I think the the main problem revolves around the use of Khan is that you don't feel anything. And you don't know anything. I, I, my girlfriend has never seen the original films, which we're going to rectify uh, okay. very shortly. But so she had all these questions about Khan. And I was like, the problem is they don't tell you anything in this movie. No. There's no It's not. And I, for anyone who's just listening to this without watching the movie, because maybe there's some people who do that. Um, this isn't a – it's not like a direct adaptation of Wrath of Khan. No, this is like – there are people actually you know, talking about it rightly so that it's actually sort of their version of Space Seed, the Star Trek episode. Yeah, from that's the a very series. good point. That's right. So it's That's not, exactly ju- but right. there, but there are of course elements of Wrath of Khan with the hands to the glass scene, which we'll right. talk about, I guess. But it's just there, there aren't, there aren't, there's not much information. You ever, it's never really quite clear who he was, and I mean, unless you're filling in your own backstory from the old movie. Well, they set up that he's, you know, sort of this eugenics experiment that he's yeah, the Superman, none, none and they of talk it's about very it clear to people who haven't. Seen, I mean, again, I haven't mean, talked the, to somebody who hadn't seen any of that Space Seed or Wrath of Khan. It wasn't very clear who he was. Some yeah, of those are throwaway lines, honestly, so you exactly. might be right. That's, they might not pick up on those things. And maybe just me looking for it because I, I, I know what to look for, I'm, perce- you know, I'm perceiving it. So that's, and, that's a very and good And as a result, you lose all of the emotion that comes from Khan as an, making an appearance. Right. Um, to me, it just felt emotionally hollow. Like, you know, yes. the, let's jump ahead to the end. So the end happens. They, um, they're fighting Khan. The ship is disabled. They can't, they can't go to warp because the warp coils are all misaligned. So somebody has to go into the warp core to realign them, but it's full of radiation. This may start sounding familiar to you if you've seen the Krathicon. Uh But instead of Spock going in, it's Kirk, and he goes in and, and gets radiation poisoning and, and dies. And, and uh, you know, the, as they're recreating, basically shot for shot, this is the, this is the ending of Wrath of Khan, it just, I just felt like there was no emotional attachment because between Shatner and Nimoy, you had... You had all that history. You had decades of... History as that. You had the three seasons of the TV show, all that time in between the first movie and then that movie. I mean, there's so much. And the books and the comics. Yeah, and so the books. When, and right. the, yeah, all that so stuff. When, it's, when Kirk this is two movies. You hands can't. up to the glass of the original, you felt that because there was a whole long thing. Here, it's kind of like, I don't understand why, you know, there's this, this movie hasn't earned this scene to me. And well, that's the thing, it hasn't earned it. And, it's and it's yeah. trying for emotional resonance that just isn't quite, you want it to be there because those two deserve that kind of moment, but right. just not right now. Like they, they need more time. Like if they do something like that in the third movie, you know, maybe like that there's, there's more, maybe. maybe, but you know, well, well now it's kind of, the, the, you know, they can't well, the go thing, back. Also, they, they kind of tip their hand anyway. So you have Khan on board, and then here's this crazy Superman creature, this this eugenics experiment. There's all these military people in McCoy's uh, medical bay, and then he's tinkering with a Tribble and <laughs> yeah. trying to see how his blood impacts a Tribble. It's like, dude, there's a bunch of people attacking us. We're in war. You're just you're just playing around with the the furry ball. And it was like, I mean, and as and as soon as he did that, when that scene started happening, I'm like, well. Of course, first of all, Kirk can't die, right? And so, of course, we already know that his blood is crazy. So, the thing is, it was that moment happened way too close in proximity right. to make Kirk's death anything but. And I, I will give it to them; they they kept Kirk dead for longer than I expected, but it still happened. You know, he still got woken up. But the thing is, and that really amazed me was that Spock goes and gets help from Spock. Well, that was the uh, one scene I actually didn't like in the whole movie. Yeah, it's like... Was it didn't serve any purpose in the story. It didn't. He didn't tell him any information. He didn't reveal anything. He didn't yeah. help in any way. 
And then he seemed to be very okay with letting the entire bridge crew know that there's another Spock from the future. Yeah, the, that being said moment, that's, timeline. that's supposed to be sort of like the, oh, yeah, Spock. Like, he doesn't care. This Spock doesn't care about, you know, the right. prime directive. Like, he's he's going to break some rules. But he didn't so, do like, But he, he doesn't. He, you're right. Well, actually, he might, but off screen. I think because, but what, what, did, what did Spock then know or do that he learned from that that, that changed well, anything? I mean, what he what he said is he, they blew up the ship with Khan on it. I mean, I think I think that he had to have said something because then you know so, they they end that scene with with Quinto asking Nimoy and, and tell then, me how you did it. Like, tell, tell me, me how you did it, and then they cut away. So right. he says something. I don't, but I but. Connor, I understand. Like, I don't know what he would have said that amounts to much of anything because the the movie kind of unravels. It, it, that, it's that, it's that, like they should have made this movie Star Trek into fan service because, like, the Tribble yeah. and and Nimoy and all these things weren't necessary to plot other than other than as fan service. And I don't normally hate fan service as much as other people, but this really stood out to me as why why is he in this movie and why my my favorite thing that uh, there's a comment in on my review where someone someone said st- like it's it's a wink too far yeah. that would be the perfect subheading for this movie star trek a wink too far because it's just it's a one you know not not even one several too many um nods to past history and to the wrath of Khan. And, the thing and is, i i like those like things i like nods i like that stuff but, but more but, when but more when it doesn't Take away, and this I thought yeah. that this was a this was like a very jarring. At first, it was like, "Oh, hey, Nimoy, awesome!" But then it's like, "Wait, is he, why? What is he doing? Why is he here?" And it and detracts from why the. Why is everyone now okay with the crew knowing there's a someone from the future, there's well, a spot, spot, future Spock here in the, in the world? Yeah, and, and, and I get that you need the generational handoffs. That's what happened with the movies where you had Kirk the last time. Yeah, exactly. You just have to do it once. The audience is, they're ready to move forward with this new cast. They're ready to keep going. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it was an empty thing. It was surprising, but the problem was Spock just sort of sat there, said 15, four or five lines, and then the movie went forward. It was like, it should have been cut. Um, and it doesn't, and it takes away, it takes away Spock's value as a character because he needs he needed to figure that out yeah. old spock was right it's like this is your destiny you need to figure this out it, is it what is he is now old spock on speed dial whenever new spock has a problem right. yeah it so, takes away it takes away from a really graceful bow in the 2009 film because he, he does you know the uh, to boldly go mantra at the end over them leaving and that's sort of him christening the ship that's him breaking the bottle of champagne over their ship and saying yeah. It's your turn, and he ha- and it's such a great way to end the, that Spock story. Yep. That and but like the telling thing is that he's called Spock Prime. That's how he's credited right. because he's the first Spock, and he will. And thanks to this, thanks to some of the decisions they made in this movie, he steal he he retains his primacy. He like he he's not allowing the, or they're not allowing him to give over the Spock mantle. To Quinto, no. right? Because he has to call and ask for help. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, now I do need to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about the, the things I really did no, enjoy. No, no, let's do that. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, because yeah, just, I just, I'm starting to spiral. I don't want to spiral. Yeah, right. because, no. I could have taken another take on the voiceover when he did the. the yeah, that was speech. weird. It seemed like he did it over the phone. It wasn't very good take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but let's let's not spiral. I, but I, I mean, really... some of the moments, like when I first saw Uhuru and Spock um, having a relationship, like I was, I really did be like, what is that like? And then to see their little dynamic. And a real honest dynamic. They have a chemistry that I think actually really does work. And to see the little flare-ups of the relationship, I thought the scene between Kirk, Spock, and Uhura as they're going on that ship where they're having the fantastic. argument. Kirk's like, yeah. don't, don't bring me into this. Like, <laughs> I, I was, it's like, who hasn't been in that position in the car where the couple is fighting in the back seat and you're like, oh, right. man, I don't want to be here. Like, and that, those that, that little was- things are so good. Yeah. And that takes the place of in the original series and in the movies Spock, Kirk, and Bones. Yes, because yes. Bones is sort of receded into the background a little bit in, yeah, in Bones this, is really in this series. He's not the third. He's the wheel. comic relief. Third wheel yeah. is Uhura, which is which is fine. You want more? Which I kind of I miss, but I but I think Uhura definitely deserves the opportunity, and and especially Zoe Saldana playing her to have more involvement with that sort of trinity with those scenes but it also, it also allows allows bones to come in kill it with a one-liner and then 
leave again and then come back in the next scene and kill it with a He's like the Fonz. You don't need too yeah. much of the Fonz. <laughs> I love Bones. He is the Fonz. Perfect. It's perfect for analogy. Um, I love I love seeing the dreadnought class as a kid that was always like I have an old manual from the '60s and that was like, oh, the Federation did make a warship and it, so it's it's nice to see little things like that. That's deep, deep, deep Star Trek history to bring that class out. Um, but it did have a third warp nacelle, and if I remember correctly, and that, it's, I'm, I'm sad they didn't make it. But I I thought the I am a little tired of the ship. This amazing Blowing ship up. getting getting almost yeah. blowed up every single time. I'm glad it didn't go into San Francisco Bay. I thought that's what I was seeing in the tra- in the trailers, right. and uh, that was a fake out. I think, yeah, yeah, it totally was. I love. I did really think um, it was cool to see it underwater. It reminded me when I think it was Voyager when they actually parked the damn thing on a planet, and I love seeing them use the ships yeah. in different ways. Seeing so a different that, context, like when in the beginning yeah. when, it, when it flies out of the atmosphere and it's, it sort of makes a different sound. That looks awesome. Every time you see it in, in an atmosphere, it just looks so cool. And like, it's sort of like, I mean, even going back to the original series, it's sort of inspired, like the sounds, it's inspired by a submarine, really. I mean, that was like oh, the yeah. closest, you know, analog to it. So it's and like, to, like to hear it strain, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the cast, which is still wonderful, as we said earlier, but also specifically Chris Pine, who continues to own this role. I mean, Shatner is Kirk; he mm-hmm. will always be Kirk. Kirk will be always be Shatner. But this particular version of Kirk, Chris Pine is wonderful, and he is absolutely wonderful. He's charming. He's roguish. He's funny. He's he's a little he's a little infuriating at times. Uh, he just owns it. I mean, he's, he's he's a delight to watch on screen. He's a really likable, well-rounded protagonist. Like he he makes mistakes, but you don't dislike him for it. Right. And I thought it was a really great glimpse into what being a true leader is. Where he admits, "Look, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to do what I can do." And it that really. It was an insight into the Kirk character that Shatner never revealed, but was very much a part of the fabric of who he was. He was always making it up as he goes along. What what can I do to beat that test? The yeah. Kobayashi Maru. You know, what I mean, like all of that stuff. That's really the spine of that character, and also mm-hmm. his love of the crew. There was lots of stuff with Shatner's Kirk, whereas between him and the ship. Right. And I like how they pivoted just ever so slightly with it with, with its Kirk and his crew. And I, I loved that aspect to it. He's got such a looseness when he needs to be loose and yet can turn things, dial things up just a little bit when he's in talking to other officers. That no wonder um, P- Pike sees so much in him. We see so much in him. Mm-hmm. We see so much capability and ambition and raw like ability that – you can't help but root for him, and he's, it's just, and he's, he, and he looks fantastic on screen. It's, he, he's a really charismatic actor. Yep. And he's a character that can get away with being in a threesome with with two <laughs> like twins with tails, oh, that was but that doesn't like it doesn't detract from the character at all. Like you know, it, it, that that doesn't define what he is. No, it, you you just sort of say, oh, that's cool, and you move on. Like you don't even <laughs> you don't even right. think about it. There's not he doesn't even it's not even acknowledged almost. It's, it's yeah. like, it was great. You're not going to answer that, are you? That's awesome. I mean, the cast, everyone got their moment to shine. You know, uh, Sulu being out with the captain a little bit while Kirk was, was yeah. gone. And, and uh, Chekhov sort of being shunted to the side, but still, you know. I was saying in comparison to the first one, yeah, the little less Chekhov. But that like, is, like Chekhov's moment in the first one where he saves them with the teleporter, like that's that was yeah. a big moment for him. This one, just catching them while they fell, that was kind well, of Well, that's the hard things with these films, yeah. uh, balancing yeah. it out. And then when you have such a presence like Cumberbatch. He's, he was wonderful. That, who more than holds his own. I, I have to hand it to the writers and the producers be, for being able to give everybody as much time as they did. Yeah, because at the you know in the original Wrath of Khan, Khan and Kirk are never in the same room. It's all done over Skype, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So and it's and it's a, it's an old school submarine film. Yeah. Wrath yeah. of yeah. Khan, and this is the first time that we see Khan and Kirk together since Spacey. So that's why it's more Spacey than anything else. Mm-hmm. But to see Pine and Quinto and them more than hold their own over what is what has to be one of the a very compelling and very powerful actor of our time right now um i thought it was thrilling to watch because i think cumberbatch deserves like we need to give him a, and con a little bit more time because the, the character he's it's such a good performance i don't think the failing is at all in cumberbatch i think it's just in the the concept from from the script yeah, no he's great 
I mean, he's that wonderful. He's like a great, like he's a he's a different villain. Like it's like if 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 he would if he didn't if he wasn't saddled with that name, like if he was like some other dude that they woke up from those pods, like they didn't wake up Khan, they woke up somebody else. Yes, they woke up Carl Noonan Singh. Like I say, in my review, <laughs> like it would have been fine. But like, or if he was like a Romulan or something. Well, like, what if he just perfect. was John Harrison? Like, what? Or if he was just if if he was just John Harrison, perfect. Well, that's my question to, for the film: is it's just it, like he's yeah. It's if th- you that the name of the character does it change the film any? And I don't think it does. That's, it's that ghost of Ricardo Montalban, and just well, like that. Would the, the movie have been better if he had been if he had had a fake chest? No, 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 no. no. That, you know what? <laughs> that's his real chest. That's his real chest. Was it a real chest? I, I saw an uh, interview, <laughs> and that is actually. Uh, Ricardo Montalban's chest, well, but the impressive. thing is, well, that's, that's why it's Star more. That's why it's more spacey than anything else. Because in Wrath of Khan, uh, Khan had been dealing with living in the those right. those fierce remote desert, all the all of the storms, living you know st- stranded, and had become ma- maniacal in his right. thirst for revenge. Now we have a much more balanced, calculating Khan, the original Khan from uh, Space Seed, who is in a way far more terrifying. And I thought that's that's what he was really celebrating. But to your point, honestly, it didn't have to be Khan at all. And uh, I think, and it really, I felt very. Um, it was hard when Spock screamed the name. Yeah. I was like, ah, yeah. that's not good. It's like the no in Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars three. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, come on, dude, that's not good. And the problem is, the people who are writing this and directing this and producing this, they know those moments fall flat. I don't understand. These are people. There's it. ways to do that. Like if you, if you look at like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and they have uh, what's his face Draco Malfoy screaming, "Get your filthy hands off me, you damn yes. dirty ape!" Yeah. That worked because it's a little campy. Right. This should never be that. The yeah. way they've set this up, the tone is such that you can't get away with it. But again, I think it's all about whether or not it's earned. And I think when when Kirk yells Khan in, in Wrath of Khan, it's completely earned. Everything about the pain he's yelling is real. Whereas, and, and it's a different moment too. Whereas exactly here, right. it's just like there's all kinds of reasons to people to blame for this. I mean, yeah. he could have yelled out RoboCop. You know, yeah. it would have it would have been just. I mean, it just it didn't feel earned. Also, those uniforms that they wore and the, the, the it's called the Vengeance. Is that what the Dreadnought the, ship? The, the Dreadnought ship was whatever it was called. Those were terrible uniforms. I didn't um, understand them at all. I don't like, want to. And I again, I don't want to spiral. But no. Peter Weller was really bad. I thought. I thought like yeah, I, didn't mind I thought that. I thought there were some scenes like when before the, his turn, they were like, all right, he's an admiral, whatever. He's a bureaucrat. But then, like I think especially compared to the rest of this cast. And compared to Benedict Cumberbatch, he just had no presence whatsoever. Well, when he when he said, "Oh shit," all right, you know, when he sits there, when he sort of deflates when they found he realizes that they know who Khan is. Yeah. Right. I get why they did that, but it made me it really jostled me out. That was not what should have come out of this kind of character's mouth. And I thought it was sort of a cheap way to do it, sort of humanize him in a weird way. I, I see what you're saying. I, did, I wasn't bothered by yeah, him. I didn't mind him. You, just, um, you don't like Peter Weller. He's what? Kind of weird Paul. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just felt like a wooden performance to me. I don't know. And then I also had like a very unresponsive audience. Like, a, like a very small we did screen. We actually. Screen. And so maybe that had something to do with it. And I just, I, I wasn't getting anything out of him. Him or... Carol Marcus. What did you guys think of Zachary Quinto? I thought he wasn't as good this time around as the first. It was the first time around. I have to agree with you, and I felt like he looked really odd and puffy. I thought he gained some weight, which, which I was a little distracted by. Which you know, I'm not going to knock him for. Yeah, <laughs> human, I didn't. I, I saw but, that too. I didn't include it in my review, but it was like it was, um, just, it was really distracting though. His face I, I was, was really distracted than it by was it. Last time, yeah. And I felt like. I mean, there were moments that he that that were good, but he felt adrift to me. He, even the way he was standing, I just felt like he was distracted by something. Um, that's a really, really difficult role. Like I, that, nothing. Like yeah. I mean, even Which if it was just Spock by himself, but it last time, but yeah, he did. In the shadow, you know, in the shadow of Nimoy, like like having to have bringing him back. It's just like it. It's he's second chair all the time. Like it's unfair. <laughs> like well, but he got a he got a whole huge from a character point of view. He got, he was in the chair. He saves the day. Then he has this full on knockdown he, drag he out the fight. Final fight, not Kirk. I mean, he's but uh, even then. Yeah, I didn't like him as much this time, and I, I don't know if I can put my finger on it exactly, but 
or exactly why? I, th- I think there's just there were too many distractions in the way of great character moments. There, there are great character moments in this movie, and I didn't hate it. I'm, I'm being very critical, but yeah. I was very I was very excited about this movie, and I'm just I was very I I was disappointed and just frustrated. And I with, think that's that's exactly my reaction because if you go back and listen to the show that me and Josh and Ron did in the first movie, or if you know me at all, mention the first Star Trek movie. I love that movie. It's I love perfect. It. It's a I, great movie. I was bouncing off the walls when I came out of that screening. How much Same. I yeah, I, I am like, and then when people bring, you know, lodge certain criticisms against that film, I'm a total apologist yes, for it. absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. And the thing is... Like, I, I do not care. Like, I, I don't care about coincidences. I don't give a shit. It's a great movie. Mike and yeah. I and my girlfriend had dinner before the movie, like two hours before the movie. We were talking yeah. about it the whole time. We were excited. We, you know, we were all hyped up for it. And I didn't... I had a lot of fun at this movie. I think the, the yeah, I had, overall I had a lot of fun. But coming out of it, uh, as soon as I started to think about anything, I went, "Oh no!" It was like that moment. It's like when you started realizing how bad Superman Returns was, <laughs> and how like that's you, a really good example. You, um, like you knew, because you this you liked is it a lot when you left. <laughs> exactly, I had the same the same exact experience. And but but this was I think I realized this one a little bit sooner. Um, like well, actually while I was in the movie. But um, this is you know to Wrath of Khan what Superman Returns is to Superman the motion picture. Yeah, I think. and and it it's a movie I'm gonna own. It's not a movie I'm gonna watch nearly as much. I mean, I watch probably the, I watch the first one probably once every couple months. Uh, it's a great movie to put on in the background while, while you're doing other stuff, but also to sit down and watch. And this is a movie I'm. I'm gonna watch for parts. I'm gonna watch it specifically for scenes, and then yeah. not for an overall movie experience. You know, the, all yeah, the inter, interpersonal stuff, the fighting between her and Spock. Um, you know, the the big the first sequence. The, I also really like the fact that they expand on the world a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, the Shatner films went into the world a little bit, like the onto the planet and into. I mean, I meant planet Earth and into the society, but not too much. Yeah. Whereas here we've we've got a kind of good sense of what life is like. On Earth, why are they ships still called USS ships if they're like a United? World? I know, but why aren't they? Aren't they like the Federation is the whole planet? Shouldn't they be? Anyway, uh, that's been that's been nagging me for thirty years. But um, it was know. interesting, you know, see London and then just see the cars yeah. going. Well, around. I liked all that stuff a lot, and you see more of like you know, like the the tantalizing thing that 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 Abrams sort of added to it in the two thousand nine film was that the motorcycle sort of chase with the robot. Yeah. Cops, <laughs> so there's RoboCop and robot cops in this, and they're, they 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 served as like nurses, yeah, and like like doctors in this. There were some of that they have like that one eye. Also, we need to talk about how Lobot is in this <laughs> on the bridge. Yeah, whoa, <laughs> that's weird because that's like and that's like that feels very not Roddenberry to me because well he's that's like, like it's a human. He was clearly human at one point. But then he's got like this, he's like a this, brain implant or something. Like brain implant. His eyes are weird, and he has that weird voice. And I was like, "That's like Lobot from from uh, Empire Strikes Back." Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Know, I know from the Star Wars lore that that guy was human first, and then he got these augmentations or whatever, or he almost died or something, and then they did that. But that's kind of like a that's that's kind of sinister. He, he was almost like a, a like a prequel to Data in a weird way, and yeah. he had that weird vocoder yeah. effect on his. And just to have him. Just to have him just talk once in a while and have so many questions immediately yes. the moment you see him, uh, there needed to be some acknowledgement. I wonder. I wonder if there's a scene uh, in the editing room hard drive that like that is missing because who the hell is that? What is that? Yeah. Speaking of editing room hard drives, something from the last film that made it into this one, Klingons. Yes. Oh, and that, that was were, really interesting. There were going to be Klingons. Uh-huh. I had I had talked. Um, my buddy got married, and his cousin is Roberto or- Orsi, um, who helped produce and write this film. And okay. I, I talked I talked to him at the wedding, and at late at night, he went up to my Whitney and me, and he's like, "All right, any questions you got, I'll, I'll answer about wow. the new Star Trek." And I was like, "Holy shit!" Wow. <laughs> but, Whitney, <laughs> but Whitney and I didn't want any spoilers, so I thought long and hard, and I'm like, "Okay, how are you handling the Klingons?" And he he looked at me. Sort of sighed and he said, uh, they're wearing helmets. And I'm like, you bastard. So it was really interesting to see these helmets because they were supposed to be in the first film. Yeah. They cut that scene. And they so when it's playing them for like force perspective stuff, I remember that from oh, like, really? yeah, oh, they had little kids in costumes. What was, what was that, the scene they were in originally? 
It was um, that's where um, Eric Bana um, ended up. Like for all, all that space between the beginning right. where he destroys Thor's ship, and then um, Kirk grows up, right. and he, he get like all that time he's he was supposed to be in a prison colony. Huh. Um, like the Klingons captured them, mm, so it's yeah. sort of like this weird hole in that you don't really think about from the first film. Um, but yeah, he was he was in a, a prison colony, and they actually showed like them marching along, and it was little kids playing them in those helmets. So there was the same design. I kind of wish they kept the helmets on for a sense of mystery. If yes, if for the third film, yeah, like, I don't know what they're gonna do in the third film. I don't. They they don't even know probably what they're gonna do. Maybe they do, but and you you think logically Klingons would have to be. The the, the the thing. I feel like there was an interview where Abrams talked about doing Star Wars and his next Star Trek. I feel like that was in the headline. But you Klingon War, yeah. We first see the Klingons in this, and they're all wearing these these helmets that are really creepy. And you, you can kind of see their mouths, and you can kind of see their eyes. And yes. I was hoping they wouldn't take them off so you wouldn't actually see you know, these redesigned Klingons until later, until you needed to, until they were right. a big force. And, and they did. It was fine. I didn't mind the redesign. I mean, they, they, they were basically... They're like they're like halfway between original series Klingons and they had they had a glowing eye Klingon. thing and yeah I, they should get the the things on I thought Uhura really did a good job with that scene um, it's funny did you see it in 3D Paul no it's funny to watch we didn't see it in 3D either but it's funny when you see some of these set pieces and you're like oh that's for the uh, 3D shot like because yeah. there are lots of like very busy frames in this film yes like are. lots of cables and pipes and of course the warp core has to be in one of the most complicated hard to get to places which makes a certain degree of sense I'll admit but like it was just funny to see the kind of like nods to making this kind of 3D friendly or when Harrison or Khan puts his arm through the hole in the glass right <laughs> yeah. The oh yeah yeah yeah. In the face. I liked seeing the Klingons. It was a nice acknowledgement because that was probably the biggest hole of yeah of the world at that point. We hadn't seen um, we'd seen Romulans, we'd seen Vulcans, you know. right? We'd seen Tribbles, and we don't necessarily need Ferengi. No, well, that's no. That's, not, that's not a presence in original series no, no, anyway. No. Um, but you know, the, I liked being back in the world. I liked being back with the characters. Overall, I had a fun time with the movies. It just as soon as I think about it, it starts to sort of unravel. Well, what frustrates me at the end of the day is I just wish we're back on TV, like on a cable network with 12 episode arcs and, you know, and just sort of because it, it's a world that is fun to come back to. There's yeah. way too many uh, stakes and too many uh, expectations when you get one film every three or four years. It's just and, you know, you've got two, you know, two hours or so if you're lucky, of, of Star Trek to enjoy. Yeah. And, and the problem is we, there's so many of us out there who grew up with at least seeing it once a week and, and living this idyllic future because it's still very – and that's the wonderful thing. It does really still capture that idealism that humanity does – can do great things and can explore and, and reach out. Yeah. And we need more of that in our science fiction and just in our normal we just need more of it and yeah. and that's the wonderful thing about star trek and it's like when i see bones and go god i wish i had more bones scenes and god i wish i had i wish you know sulu would and and the Chekhov would have more scenes together there's you see all this this wonderful sense of like what could be and and yet you know you're not going to get it oh there's so a good this, example of that the, did did you notice i forget who says it someone said the mud incident yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that's where they got the ship from, from the mud yeah. incident. And it was right, like, so oh. it's like this, the, the, that, so that, that's, that's an example of the right way to do it. Like just yeah. a little throwaway line, it doesn't detract yeah. from anyone to, you know, that's not relevant for. But yeah, it's like, I, I you know, growing up, there wasn't, there wasn't a time when there wasn't a Star Trek show. Yeah. Like it was the next generation and then overlapping stuff with... You know, with Deep Space Nine and, and Voyager and then Enterprise, which I didn't watch. But but then it feels weird that there's no Star Trek show. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, beca- it's become the new normal now that there isn't one. But I really miss that time. Um, yeah. And like you said, there is science fiction on TV and you can, you can find it in different places. And there was, you know, Battle, uh, Battlestar Galactica for a while. But it's different. That's not... That's not that Roddenberry vision, which which often gets in the way of creativity in a way. A lot of the writers talk about that, that, you know, Gene wouldn't have gone for that. And some of the producers afterwards said, you know, we got to maintain Gene's legacy that humanity is like perfect and there's no infighting. And that gets get, gets in the way of drama. But um, it was great to see here, you know, a great mixed cast and like looking at the bridge. 
and to see people of all different nationalities. Yeah. Even though that like, one crazy lady with gold skin, it's like, whoa. <laughs> right, yeah. With the, and then, like, they open up their mouths and they have really weird vocoders. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Was and then And then, for some reason, Alice Eve is in her underwear for some particular reason. It's like, that was really gratuitous, I thought, just as a little parenthetical. I think the main point is that it, this isn't three Star Trek fans not liking it because it's not. I loved it. I mean, I loved going back and watching yeah, we, it. Yeah, we loved that first movie. Yeah. I think it's just a just disappointment that they, they went back to that they have a really, they had a really prime opportunity here to tell their own Star Trek stories, I think is what it comes down to for me. And they yeah, just correct. Yeah, going back and t- retelling them when they don't need, and that's, I mean, that's the argument against any retelling is they don't need to be retold. But the, the stories are there. They had a certain emotional weight for it because they got to tell them through TV and then through the movies. And might as well just tell your own stories. I mean, you got the whole, this whole new world with new characters. You did it the first time. You told yeah. an original story. They surrender to temptation here. Yeah. That's the that's the big thing, and seriously, that's it's like it's the antithesis of Star Trek to go backwards. It's yeah. all about moving forwards, and so there's so many things you can do, and like it's not like these writers aren't creative, but I just I think I think they, I don't know, they 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 surrender to that temptation to go back to the easy audience appreciation thing, like that fan service. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, this is the Ocean's Twelve moment where they. You know, Ocean's Twelve was way too sort of jokey and, and, and jokey and winky. You know, mm-hmm. whereas Ocean's Eleven, even though Ocean's Eleven was a remake, ironically, it was it felt very original. Ocean's Thirteen, they righted the ship. I hope that with the third Star Trek film, they they look at it and say maybe we should tell a story that's completely our own, yeah. and, and not try to to go back and shot for shot, line for line, remake these uh, classic Star Trek moments with this new cast, which just didn't feel didn't didn't feel right to me. That's it's it's yeah. sort of like they 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 brought it back to it's like they're it's sort of like they're they're back to starting position. Mm-hmm. Like they had this they had this this great momentum from the end of the 2009 film, and now they're sort of back to that with the with the prospect of a Klingon war and the crew being all together and every, every like the everything's galvanized, but the missteps of this movie. Add a wariness to my and a trepidation to my feelings about a third film. And also, it's like almost like this whole film was a huge parenthetical because the universe isn't that much different at the end of this film than when it was at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, okay, well, they had this experience, but like now they can get on with the mission that they were talking about starting at the beginning of the film. And this, and this thing kind of, it's like, you know, well, that happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what they learned. And what, where they go forward with now, just in terms of, the, you know, it, even, even the ship was, it's not, it's not 1701A or anything like that. It just got rechristened and it's like, okay, well, you know that thing that we were going to do last year? Now we, now we can do it. We just got a little right. bit of delay. So it was that weird thing where, what did we learn from it? And I'm not sure yet. Maybe I know I'm going to have to see it again, but um, I'm, I'm curious to see if there are any repercussions just in terms of the characters uh, as we move forward in the next film. But for me, it just is like, Okay, well, that was an interesting diversion, but can we get back to exploring? Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll still look forward to a third one because oh yeah, I love this cast, I love the characters, I love the world, so I, I'll want to go back to it for sure. I'll just I'll be a little bit trepidatious when they announce that the you know who the next villain is if it's uh, right. Yeah, I just if it's Chang, if it's from you know if they're <laughs> I, if, if they if, if there's any familiar elements, I'm going to get really worried. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 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 excited for a third one, and I'll de- but it just like it doesn't feel like like going into this, I was like this is a sure bet. Yeah. You know, like, absolutely. Like all the elements are in place. 2009 was great. They've yeah. got all these new additions that, yeah. oh man, they're making great choices. So, but but now it's going to be like, okay, my 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 expectations are, are tempered. Yeah, I, I, when I, when the when the film started, I cracked my knuckles. I'm like, okay, show me what you got. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like this yeah. is your opportunity, Kurtzman, Orsi, Abrams, uh, you know, Lindelof. Damon Lindelof. It's like this is your time to really make your Star Trek. And make our Star Trek and make the millennials Star Trek happen. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is the touchstone. And it, I mean, I guess it quote unquote open soft with only quote unquote only 16.5 million yesterday, which is, you know, we're taping on a Friday and opening day. But like, uh, I hope it doesn't dissuade from them from really owning the idea and understanding that this is their time to make a true moment of legacy with these films with the next one because they had the opportunity and then they phoned Spock. 
And so, yeah. you know what I mean? And just like, no, stop no, asking no for, more. He stop asking for permission. Yeah, you had exactly our permission. Right. You had that's our it. permission. Go. Wonderful go way to put it. Yeah, yeah. go boldly. So, so, so I mean, go. overall, <laughs> you know, it's a very complicated film that we had a very complicated reaction to. Do you want to do numbers? Do you want to do stars? Uh, I... I think your three-star rating is pretty accurate. Oh, just like not even a 3.5? No, I think, I think three is pretty accurate. Three, is three and 3.5s are tough. Is it like listen, I the same listen, thing with Iron Man? It was back and forth. If you, go by the, if you go by the Netflix rating system, which is what I use, it's three as I liked it. Yeah. And I, I liked it. I had fun. I didn't love it for the, for the reason. I didn't hate it. I didn't not like it. I, I liked it. I didn't really like it. And I didn't love it. I liked it. Yeah. 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 And we, you know, I had gone into this not wanting to have any expectations, but as soon as the lights went down, I realized that I had a million and that I really wanted to be taken away and then see something new. And I, and I can see where that three stars comes from because I just, I wanted, I wanted new and, sh- and I, at the, you got old. I just could not believe that I got old. Like I yeah. just, it I was, think, I think it was we were such on, a surprise. I think, I think from you know being next to the theater, I think we were both on fully on board until they hit the first wall, which was Khan, and then they hit the second wall, which was Nimoy, and then they hit the third wall, which was recreating the, the scene. I just it's like think, whoa, 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 no, 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 oh, ah. Yeah, I think whoa. that that cold open. You know, we were all we were psyched. You were bouncing in your seat, and it was it was. I was into it. We were into it, and then they just sort of they started hitting these walls. Actually, they, I'd call the first one a speed bump. We speed bumped it, and it slowed down a bit, and then we hit a wall, and then, then we sort of spun out. Um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, there was, there was a spike strip. and <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, there, was, there was fun elements in there, and I, w- I would uh, – it was just – I just uh, – I mean, I'm frustrated more than anything because my love for that first one so much. Right, right. Yeah. 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 What can you do? Go to ifanboy.com, and you can read Paul's written review of the film. It's got full of spoilers like this review was because uh, it was really – you're right. Once I saw the film, it was like, Paul's right. He couldn't write that review without talking about the spoilers. I tried. I really did. So, just like, go nope. read that, and we will be back in about a month for – Man of Steel, for which we saw the trailer before Star Wars, and it looks fantastic. Star Trek, and it looks fantastic on the big yeah. screen. It's uh, there is no bigger moment. <laughs> <laughs> we are. I think the three of us are, are. There's few people who are more excited about this than than we are, uh, or, and, and and more and more terrified. And more terrified. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like, oh, man. So uh, that's so we'll be back for that in about a month. Until the, until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Mike. now is the time to journey home to tell of what I've learned my people I believe have every right to be concerned for in spite of computers and advanced psychology behavior patterns are still a mystery I predict the future of this earthly human race is that having made a mess of earth they'll move to outer space well there goes the neighborhood Completely, absolutely, irrevocably, highly, illogical. 